good morning from WKYT News. I'm Bill Bryant and we welcome you to Kentucky Newsmakers and hope you're having a nice weekend. Later, cutting trees in Lexington gets highly controversial and ends up at City Hall. We'll hear from a representative from Kentucky Utilities about that shortly and what you might expect in the winter ahead. Uh, but first, you can feel the holidays approaching. Many are already starting their shopping. This year things are different and more patience may be required. Supply chains are disrupted around the world. Shipping, including by mail, may be slower and retailers are having a tough time finding enough workers to help customers in stores. Even though shopping online are being told to expect the unexpected and to start things early. Steve McLean heads up communications and public affairs for the Kentucky Retail Federation. He's joining us today on Kentucky Newsmakers. Give us some perspective on what's going on. Welcome. Yeah, Appreciate thank you. you being thank here. Thank you for having me. So, you know, we're probably weeks away from the real hustle and bustle of the holiday shopping season and the people trying to be sure that they can get those gifts under the tree, but everybody knows things are going to be more mm -hmm. challenging this year. What concerns are you hearing from your members out there? Uh, supply chain, supply chain, and supply chain is what we've been hearing for the last uh, few months. So uh, retailers have started uh, couple months ago started working on getting uh, orders in and planning for the holiday season and and that's kind of where the, you know the message that they started uh, putting out was uh, go ahead and start shopping uh, early uh, on looking for those items and if you see them on the store go ahead and uh, probably go ahead and get it because there's not a guarantee that it's going to be there uh, if you're a procrastinating shopper uh, on Christmas Eve it may be a little uh, dicey uh, finding certain things. Uh, this won't be the year for those folks, right? I, I, probably not. <laughs> uh, you know, we hear this term supply chain and we see the results are some empty shelves or at least mm -hmm. uh, some poorly stocked uh, situations. Uh, so this really is a global situation that is, is impacting us locally mm -hmm. in Kentucky. Yes, it is. And this is something that we saw even when the pandemic started. If you remember back, you know, there was a run on, on paper products. You know, we saw video of people walking out with uh, six packages of toilet paper and all that. And it's not that there's a shortage of, of materials there. Uh, they just may be stuck on, in a uh, storage container in a port in Los Angeles or Long Beach or New Orleans uh, and trying to get from point A to point B to point C. Uh, so that's kind of where uh, it has been and it's really gotten um, tough in the last few months to uh, get products in and that's kind of where we're at now. Do you think retailers are looking at this uh, as a short-term thing or something that may uh, go on for months or, or years to come? Yeah, you know we were hoping it would be a short-term thing but now we're we're hearing from you know the the national folks that study this and, and watch it uh, it could be up into 2022 before things kind of straighten out. Um, you know, it's it's things from everything. There's a shortage of truck drivers uh, that came out through the pandemic. There was already a shortage before it started, and we you know we saw truck drivers that left the workforce, uh, and the process of getting new truck drivers hired and trained is kind of a a, a long process, and there just hasn't been enough truck drivers to get in to replace that. Um, you know, there there's issues that we've seen out in the. Uh, ports where the the infrastructure where the the roads are crumbling where the trucks are going in uh, to pick up uh, containers to deliver to the distribution warehouses and the the trucks are breaking down and there's not enough uh, parts to repl you know to repair the trucks so 
you know, this is something that we've seen. It's just really gotten um, really tight in the last uh, few months that we've really seen it uh, get worse. Do you think, uh, you know, long term that retailers will look at maybe trying to find their supplies closer to their locations? We're seeing some retailers, uh, we've seen some national retailers that have decided to try to hire their own ships uh, to get goods. Uh, you know, we're, we're curious to see how that will work there. But yes, we'll, we think that we'll see uh, retailers looking at local uh, products, uh, possibly. Uh, th this is an opportunity for some certain local retailers maybe to help fill a gap uh, in there as well, although we're hearing that they're having trouble getting, you know, getting the right supplies uh, and goods in. So, yeah, I think everybody's kind of taken this opportunity to look at how the supply chain has been and um, you know, naturally when you see something like this, okay, how do we learn from this and maybe uh, make things happen so that we don't go through this uh, again. Obviously with uh, the holidays approaching, there are those concerns about will the toys be available, mm -hmm. will the gift items mm -hmm. be available, but you also represent grocers. Mm -hmm. Will grandmas out there be able to get uh, the, <laughs> uh, the ingredients they need for their special holiday recipes? Yeah, well grocery is, is, has had their own issues. Um, you know, part of this is there's a shortage of glass jars, aluminum, plastic packaging, things that, you know, people use to package these products. There's a shortage of that. Uh, so kind of what uh, we've started telling, uh, if there's that one certain recipe that grandma makes that you expect on the Thanksgiving or holiday table, uh, you might want to go ahead and start you know, picking, gathering up those items that you need to make it just to make sure. Uh, what we're hearing from, uh, have seen is that uh, manufacturers have kind of suggested maybe not running quite as many specials uh, on items just to kind of ensure that the, the supply that's on the shelves can last through the holiday season. Uh, you know, no retailer wants to have empty shelves. So they're looking at ways, uh, yes, we may have plenty of it now, but they're trying to think, can I, you know, will I have enough of it the 1st of December uh, to make those, those goods? We know there's been a tough shortage of available workforce mm -hmm. uh, out there and uh, fierce competition for, uh, for workers right. who are uh, available. Uh, what does that look like as we approach the holidays and so many uh, stores in particular have done seasonal mm -hmm. hires over the years. Yeah, we're, we're you know, they're trying to continue to do their seasonal hiring and uh, uh, several companies in the last few weeks have been uh, doing their hiring blitzes to try to get uh, enough workers there. Uh, you know, we've seen some uh, retailers that have said, okay, we know that we've been struggling to find new workers, so they're looking at their, their current workers uh, and saying, you know, do you want some extra hours during the holiday season and maybe taking care of those employees first to try to help you know fill that um, we will be doing a, a survey of our own membership here in the next uh, week or so to kind of get a gauge on what they're seeing uh, you know as far as supply issues and workforce uh, when we did this during the summer one of the things we asked was you know what are you offering and, and typically uh, many of them were offering upwards to $15 or more an hour to try to get entice uh, people in, you know to get people to uh, on the on the floor to work. I know you represent uh, both the uh, national retailers and local businesses mm -hmm. and uh, do they they face different challenges in some cases right? right. I mean it's, it's the same issue mm -hmm. uh, but maybe 
in some cases, one's in a better position to take advantage of the situation than the other. Yeah, there's there's opportunity. This this is an opportunity, and this is this is kind of what we're recommending for shoppers: be flexible mm -hmm. uh, as you're looking to to shop for items for for the holidays. Uh, you know, I'm saying have when you're making your list, have option one, two, and three that you may want to get someone. But you know, don't you know? There's retailers out there. You may find something at one store that you haven't been to before. Uh, so you may want to take that opportunity to, to check out some um, local businesses as well as national and see what see what's there. The drugstore may have a load of something you didn't expect. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you're in there, uh, Steve. Uh, you know, retailers have had to uh, really bear the brunt of uh, what's happened the last year and a half or so. Uh, certainly with the masks and social mm -hmm. distancing. Uh, you know, the the government at one time was saying who could operate and who couldn't. Right. Uh, you know, the right. essential businesses and all of that. Uh, they've had to deal with the guidance that's come along in terms mm -hmm. of, of of the rules. It has been challenging, yes. hasn't it? Yes, it, it's been. You know, this has been. For, you know, longtime retailers have said this has been some of the most interesting and challenging eighteen plus months that they've ever seen. Um, just because everything was changing, and, and and you didn't know what uh, was coming. You know, from one day to the next, you you weren't sure exactly what guidelines you were going to uh, be operating under. But one thing about retailers, they adapt. Uh, to the situ circumstances that they find themselves in. And we saw that for the last 18 months. They, um, retailers that hadn't dabbled in social media much suddenly said, okay, if we're gonna survive, we're gonna have to start doing Instagram videos. We're gonna have to start doing Facebook Live videos. Uh, so they started doing things like that. And some of what we saw come out of the pandemic is, is probably here to stay. You're, curbside pickup your your you know online shopping has been ticking upwards every year and that really um, ramped up mm -hmm. uh, over the last 18 months and, can, and that'll be there can the case be made that uh, you know nobody has seen a time like this and and uh, some of the older storekeepers may see well we really need these young folks who understand the social media <laughs> landscape it, it, and so and, on <laughs> and we've been out visiting with some some especially your local retailers right. that are in, that are independents that have had a store for several years are like we've they've said yeah we we've uh, hired some uh, and talked to some high school kids or some <laughs> folks we know from college that have come in and helped us do these inst you know Instagram videos and helped us post they and some of them have learned how to do it and have gotten really good at it so you've told us you go out and do uh, something a uh, shop our town mm -hmm. and so you've been out in some of the uh, the, the towns and, uh -huh. and, and kind of tell the story of how important that uh, that retail uh, element is in the, in the community yeah. uh, we do uh, a project that we call shop our town where we go into towns throughout Kentucky and we do uh, vignettes of local retailers and it's a chance for them to talk about how important retail is in their community and and we saw this during the pandemic we saw uh, people go to their local retailers these are retailers that help sponsor your kids little league uniform or they'll buy an ad in the in the high school sports program um, local retail retail in, in any size town is important they provide jobs uh, they provide uh, a tax base for the local government. Um, 
and it's it's kind of a hub and a place for people to gather for for a lot of places it's the lifeblood uh, of these towns so this is a chance you know we go out and we talk to the to, to retailers give them a chance to tell their story uh, a lot of them are very interesting uh, some of them have been there for 40 50 years and they've endured give us a little guidance here heading into the holidays and beyond some optimism mm. maybe for how things uh, do get better uh, in the weeks ahead patience patience would be one of the th it would be the main thing i say you know be be patient of what what you're you're looking for uh if you're finding the products you're not wanting not on the shelves don't take it out on the employees there they're it's not their fault they can't wave a magic wand and make things appear uh so be patient with them uh shop early um and be flexible uh you know we're we're expecting probably gift cards you know they've been a popular item they could be even more popular this year because of 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 the items that maybe mm -hmm. they know somebody really wanted so they may just get a gift card and say just hang on to it until uh those items uh get back on the shelves steve as you represent thousands of retailers across kentucky what will you be watching in the state legislature that's coming up i know the kentucky league of cities is again proposing local tax mm -hmm. flexibility and your group opposed that last time yeah we we did oppose that last time and and while we haven't seen uh, you know, actual legislation filed uh, yet again. You know, it, it just seems prices are going up. It's been a challenging year for retailers, restaurants, grocery stores. Um, it just seems that, th that, you know, putting more taxes on uh, people, especially as prices are, you know, we've seen some prices going up, especially on things like meat and things like that. Not sure that that is uh, a good option for people, uh, especially um, for retailers that, you know, count on people coming in their stores to, to shop. Well, we promise we will uh, hear their side on that issue as, <laughs> as the legislature approaches. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it very much. Yeah. All right. And we hope you'll stay with us in just a moment. So cutting trees in Lexington has become controversial. We're going to hear from Kentucky Utilities in a moment. Welcome back to Kentucky Newsmakers from WKYT. There's been controversy in Lexington recently about Kentucky utilities taking out trees rather than trimming them in some cases. The company said it is for safety. Some residents say it goes too far and they have taken their concerns to City Hall. Daniel Lowry is a spokesman for Kentucky Utilities and he joins us on Kentucky Newsmakers. Good to see you. Thanks for coming in. Thank you, Bill. Explaining this to people. Right. Uh, you know, it used to be that uh, KU trimmed the trees back. Everybody uh, easily understood the need for uh, that kind of maintenance. Uh, now there's this whole tree removal or, or clear cutting going on in some areas. Why does the power company need to swing that axe so much right now? Well, it's <clears throat> it really goes back to the safety and reliability that we are obligated to do for our system and for our customers. And so we really have a practice now that is really since 2019, that is more proactive than reactive, as we have been in the past. And so this is part of our goal to really be as safe and reliable as possible. So you have a plan that goes for every five years, I think, is the cycle, it's right? right. It's, yeah. it's a cycle-based man vegetation management program. And so this is based on an average of about five years. 
for the cycle. Used to be more often that people would call and say, hey, these limbs are getting close to the power lines. Is that the way it worked? Well, you know, Billy, it would be sort of that reactive approach. Mm -hmm. uh, but you got to keep in mind that, you know, we have uh, more than 5,400 miles of transmission lines. And that's not to mention even the distribution lines. There are more miles of them. And under those uh, transmission lines, those 5,400 miles of lines, we have 65,000 acres that we have to manage and maintain under those lines. So the city signed off and understood that this was going to be uh, the plan, that there would be this uh, cycle and that there would be some whole trees taken out, uh, including on uh, people's yards. In yeah, in some cases in our easements, which these easements can be 100 feet, 500 feet wide. You have said that uh, KU is listening to concerns, and you have gotten earful. Uh, yeah. Certainly, uh, you know, the, the, there were uh, people who went to City Hall, uh, they spoke out at a public meeting, uh, but you have also said to them you have a lot of things to balance uh, in consideration here. Right, you know, we are listening. And I could talk about safety and reliability figures all day, but for folks who are losing their trees, I think that their frustrations are real. And, and we have met with those homeowners. <clears throat> we have met with the city council members. Uh, we have met with the mayor, Mayor Gordon. And so uh, we've listened and we are evaluating thoughtfully now. I mean, last year the city council passed a resolution condemning the removal of trees. Uh, you have had the mayor say, you know, please take a pause uh, right. while, we, while you figure out uh, uh, how to go forward with this. Yeah. Uh, again, is KU listening? KU is listening, and we are looking at wherever we can pause and where it's applicable. You know, we're doing that. How big a factor is the weather? We know winter is approaching. Soon after that, you get into <clears throat> spring storm season. Right. Are, 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 does that figure into uh, your... Uh, need to do this uh, on a timetable? Well, you know, you always have to be cognizant of the fact that weather plays a real factor when you're talking about transmission lines. These lines are very dynamic, Bill. You know, so temperature plays a role, uh, weather conditions play a role, uh, the system load. A lot of times in the winter you get a lot more load on the system. And so all those factors make these lines very dynamic. I mean, it's not like they're just set and that straight line and they stay there. So they really move. So you may look at a tree and think it's not very far or it's not very close or it's too far. And the, what you might not realize that these trees are growing. They, some trees can grow three to four or five feet a year. And we're looking at a cycle-based plan that's five years. So we're looking into the future. And you have lines that very easily uh, could con come in contact with these trees. Can you tell us today, and I know we've, we have all heard KU is listening, right. uh, but has there been any kind of decision to alter uh, the path forward uh, on the part of the utility company in, in this uh, tree cutting? Oh yeah, I mean, right now at the highest level of our company, you know, we're, we're evaluating our best industry standard practices that we do now. We're looking at them to see, is there a way that we can do it better? You know, what can we do to really try to save as many trees as we can? 
and to be able to work with customers, to work with the city, and in those cases where we do have to, and this is what we do now, if we do have a situation where we have to remove trees, oftentimes we'll work with the neighborhood, we'll work with the city to do a replanting. You know, for example, in, in one neighborhood in Lexington, we waited until this fall so that when we did their removals in the medians, we could immediately come back and plant right after in the fall so they could grow. You know, after the ice storm in Lexington nearly 20 years ago now, uh, there was a lot of talk of burying more power lines, and certainly in the new subdivisions you do see that. But is it just too cost prohibitive to, to in these areas? You know, you, you look at Lansdowne Drive, there's a big transmission line right down the middle of it. I mean, there are places uh, here in town where the, the lines are very visible. Right. Is it too cost prohibitive to bury utility lines big, <coughs> on a big scale? Yes. Uh, unfortunately, when you look at transmission lines and, and, you know, a lot of neighborhoods, when they're brand new, they can put the underground distribution lines in there. But the cost makes it ineffective it, in many cases. What are we talking about? Uh, numbers? It varies. It, it varies quite a bit, and so I hate to be specific. But just to give you sort of a general ballpark figure, you're looking at a million dollars per mile in some cases. In some areas it can be higher. And plus you've got to dig up that ground. You know, if you're going to bury lines, you're going to lose landscaping trees, vegetation too. And KU would have no choice but to pass that on to consumers, right? Yeah, well, the, the costs would be passed on by the, to the customers, yes. And so, the, and part of our mission is to provide safe, reliable energy at the lowest reasonable cost to our customers and that would go against that mission. If we tried to bury 5,400 miles of transmission lines, you know, for example, in Lexington there are about 470 miles of transmission lines, but there are more than 2,000 miles of distribution lines. And people may say, what is a, what's the difference? What are you talking about? Because it, it's kind of analogous, Bill, to uh, maybe the highway system. So you have uh, a transmission line is like a highway. It's like I-75, whereas distribution is more like the streets in the neighborhoods. And anywhere there's a break, there's trouble. <laughs> Especially right? yeah. with a transmission. All right. Uh, so this kind of leads into the colder weather that's coming. And you said there's a, right. you want to try to control costs. How, what can customers do out there as uh, the heaters start kicking on? You want yeah. them to be safe, number one. Uh, but also, how do they uh, try to use less electricity? Right. Yeah, you, you're exactly right, Bill, because in the wintertime, oftentimes that's when our customers get sticker shock. When you get these cold weather months and their bills go up, because heating your home roughly can be about 40% or more of your electric bill. So heating costs really matter. So making sure your home is you know, free from any holes in your, in your cracks or you know, make sure you seal up those cracks in, around your windows and your doors, that's a good tip. Uh, there are many tips you can do. We have a lot of this on our website, lge-ku.com. For example, every degree in your thermostat matters. You know, saving money that way can be just dropping it where it's comfortable still, but making sure every degree you 
can put it at a comfortable level, but also as low as possible. Uh, and you want to unblock your registers too, for example. You don't want to have shoes blocking right. your, re you know, your red. I do that. I walk into yeah. my closet and see that. So there are a lot let, of things. Let the heat out. Right? Let the heat out, right. All right. Daniel Larry, thank you so much for coming by from Kentucky Utilities. And uh, uh, I know a lot of folks are, are hoping that uh, something can be worked out here and uh, there'll be a better path forward. That's how appreciate we, you being here. Thank you. All right. We're coming back on WKYT's Kentucky Newsmakers in just a moment. Welcome back to Kentucky Newsmakers. Cryptocurrency is surging in popularity. The total market value, it's more than $2 trillion. Hedge funds are trading it. You can buy it on PayPal and now a Wall Street first. Our chief national political analyst, Greta Van Susteren, has the details. Hello, I'm Greta Van Susteren, and here's your full court fast break. This week, Bitcoin stealing headlines soaring to a new record high. And for the first time ever, a U.S. Bitcoin-linked exchange-traded fund making its debut. The ProShares Bitcoin Strategy ETF launching on the New York Stock Exchange, ticker name BITO. This fund does not directly handle Bitcoin. Instead, it invests in Bitcoin futures contracts, betting on the crypto's future price. That means investors do not own the actual digital tokens, but they can get into the crypto game without creating a crypto wallet or establishing an account with a cryptocurrency provider. Bitcoin is calling this ETF a watershed moment for the industry. We spoke to Bloomberg's Mike McClown. He says one day Bitcoin will be in every investment portfolio. Well, the thing to remember about Bitcoin is in the price discovery stage. It's only been around for about a decade. It's a new discovery. Think of the internet. Think of Amazon 20 years ago. It's just getting to, it's getting to that higher plateau. Once it reaches that, it will stabilize. Volatility will come way down and be widely adopted and accepted. The key thing is you can instantly transact it and sell it when you need to. It's not like when you want to sell some physical gold, you have to have it tested, you have to go to the right place to do it. There's a commission. It gets complicated. What's going to stop the whole financial system going to that way of instant settlement and virtually zero cost? Nothing. While the SEC did greenlight ProShares Bitcoin ETF, it warns crypto is still volatile and considered a highly speculative asset class. Want more Full Court Press? Tune in Sundays. We bring politics home covering the national stories that impact you. And remember, you can catch Full Court Press with Greta Van Susteren this morning at 1130 on WKYT. Certainly thank you for joining us for this edition of Kentucky Newsmakers. I'll be seeing you on WKYT News throughout the week, and we certainly hope you make it a good week ahead. <laughs>